Hello and welcome to the Cozy Feminine Podcast. I'm Emma and if you're listening to this episode, it's probably because something about the title resonated with you. And if that is the case, I completely understand because when one of our lovely ladies within the Cozy Feminine family approached me from a question that I asked about what do we feel is missing in the content world of traditional femininity, she brought up the concept of safety that we really don't talk about enough and that it really isn't helping us truly fully thrive in our feminine when we don't think about how to protect it. And I couldn't agree more. So if this resonated with you, like the title did, just know when this was brought to my attention, I couldn't have been more excited to talk about this with you. So we're all on the same page. There is a certain level of predictability in our lives when we know how to cope with the outside world. It's not about being scared of the world. It's not about being jaded even by the world. It's really about having the confidence to know how to cope with it. Because when we know how to protect ourselves, when we know how to protect all of the different levels of our well-being, which I'll go into in a little bit, when we know how to do this, we feel so much like so much more empowerment. I was going to be so much less anxious, but that that is true too. Like we feel so much less anxious too about the world because we believe in our own capacity and our own responsibility to protect ourselves and in turn even be able to protect others if need be. There is a comfort in knowledge. It's kind of like that toolbox that you have in your house that you're not carrying around a toolbox everywhere you go, right? You're not sitting on the couch carrying a toolbox. You're not going to dinner carrying a toolbox. You're not sleeping with your toolbox. I Maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> but usually most of us keep our toolbox in some kind of closet or garage or shed or something like that. And we don't touch it unless we need it. It's nice though when we have it, right? Even if we don't need it, it's nice to know that we have it. So that's pretty much the whole premise of this episode and this whole conversation around safety. It's not about me looking to scare you or anything like that. The world is rather unpredictable, though, and there are a lot of uncertain pieces to it. The one thing, though, that we have the most certainty over, at least out of everything, besides our belief in our faith, is our belief in also ourselves to be able to cope responsibly to whatever is thrown at us. It's that toolbox where, you know, it's better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. And I'm here to hopefully provide you with that toolbox and those tools so that you can just keep it soundly in some mental compartment in your mind. And if you need to use it, you now have it. So if you're tuning in today, first off, thank you. And secondly, um, I want to let you know that it's with warmth and love when I say that I, I just, I do feel that there are certain aspects of traditional femininity in the social media verse that we're in that so many of us follow that is missing. And that's what we're going to be unlocking today. I don't want anyone to feel insulted by that statement. If you do, you know, obviously I am sorry. I'm not here to insult anyone that also posts traditionally feminine content. I also post traditionally feminine content and I've never really spoken about safety. I feel that it is missing though, and we need to talk about it more so that we can protect ourselves and our femininity. I've noticed so much valuable insight 
through other traditionally feminine accounts, including my own, when it comes to helping women embrace their womanhood, embrace their goodness, and identify it within themselves, that softness, that lightness, that heavenly presence that we want to provide our families, ourselves, friends, coworkers, even strangers. It's a very peaceful part of the internet and of life in general. And this addition to that is not here to erode that whatsoever. It's, it's not. This is another part of the peaceful part of the internet because there is comfort in knowing how to protect ourselves and all the different categories of well-being. Because after all, if we are not safe, if we are not practicing safety, then our feminine selves could never really truly live in truth, in that light, in that love that we love to chat about so much. So with that being said, at the end of this podcast, if you don't mind really quickly, let me know what you think. Leave a review. Leave a review of the podcast in general or of the episode. Either way, this kind of content I, I feel like is so important. And if you feel like it's helpful or valuable to you, then it's great for other women to be able to hop onto the Cozy Feminine and see for themselves what other people have to say. There are a couple of reviews. So grateful for it. They're so lovely. And I'm hoping that we continue on that direction, on that road. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's really to help you and to help me and to help each other on this journey. So just want to let you know, throw that in there really quickly. If you don't mind, that'd be great. Anyways, our safety as traditionally feminine women. Ooh, what a topic. <laughs> I, I think it starts though by first identifying what exactly is it that needs safety. I know a lot of us, we all say, be safe, be safe, be careful, be safe. But what exactly are we protecting? It's more than our physical beings. We are going to go into that today as well on how to protect our physical beings. In expansion to that, it's also our mental, our emotional, our sexual and relational, our spiritual well-being too that needs safety. Knowing how to protect all of these different pieces of our living puzzle is essential for building a healthy relationship with femininity. And I know I've mentioned this in the past, we cannot have a healthy relationship with our femininity until we have mastered having a healthy relationship with the masculine within us as well. All of us, men and women, both share both energies within us. I feel that it's easy to imagine that femininity strictly belongs to women and masculinity strictly belongs to men, but that simply isn't true. In fact, it's a very unhealthy feminine move to be almost in that hyper-feminine where that masculine energy is so incredibly low because it does risk um, safety and well-being which you'll see as we go on. Each energy profile though belongs to us. It will exist differently for ourselves and for others and you know, different between even genders, between men and women. It's still there though, nonetheless. So it would be in our best interest to embrace and utilize and take kind of advantage of this harmonious gathering of energy rather than reject it and try to pawn it off to the black holes of the internet. What we need to remember though, when addressing the healthy versus unhealthy feminine existence is that our masculinity helps to bring protection, structure, and security. It's the provisional part of our world. This part of our being, if it is unhealthy or non-existent, leaves us overly ignorant and vulnerable in a very irresponsible way to the poor intentions of the world, to the poor intentioned people of the world. 
our masculinity acts as a guide and a leader of our own convictions including our conviction to live life as much in the feminine as possible yes it goes that far and that deep it's very important so to address the ways that our our healthy masculine can help assist and provide the necessary support so that our feminine energy can flourish successfully into our lives our relationships and even our environment i thought i'd break down the ways safety can be infused into our well-being categories like i mentioned before i feel a great start to this would probably be the most obvious when we think of safety and that is our physical well-being the truth and reality about the world is that there are a lot of people out there who do not have the best intentions for us and i might say this a few times throughout the episode and i promise i promise it isn't said to erode the lightness in your life i promise you I know I've like already, you know, dropped this in here a couple of times because it's so important that you know this, that me talking about safety, me talking about how not everyone is fabulous, um, it's very important to the healthiness of our femininity, the health of our femininity. It's also very important for the health of our masculinity. It's truthfully all set out to make sure that your lightness is as strong and packed full of knowledge as possible because that's what's going to keep it always shining. Like I've said, like you, you can't necessarily control the outside world. However, you have an internal responsibility for what happens to your inside world. And there are times when we are going to need to step in for our safety and ensure that it truly stays strong. And knowledge, applicable knowledge, is what helps to protect that light and that softness. For our physical well-being, what we want to look at as women is our capabilities for protection in any given place, in every, any given circumstance. Knowing our own skill level for self-defense is very important. And I would even advise to say to sort of keep yourself humble about it. Maybe, I don't know if undermining is the right word, but not be overly confident or cocky about your capabilities. And I say that because it's better in a way to have that humbling effect where, you know, if you need to protect yourself physically, you're able to do so in a big way, even bigger than you thought you were going to be able to do, to do, than to be so overly cocky and confident that you might even miss certain details about your safety that leave you coming up short to protecting yourself that humbleness is what helps keep us grounded and keeps us in check with the fact that you know maybe we know ourselves and maybe we know a little bit about our capabilities but we don't know about the capabilities of the next person and it's better to assume a little bit of humbleness when we're looking at our our own capabilities not to not be confident in it just to not get overly cocky about it the first step really towards any physical protection is to have a clear sense of awareness of your surroundings knowing who is around you what's happening around you what you're doing within that environment these are very key in determining an ounce of potential safety problems and the best thing that we can do for our physical well-being whenever we notice that there might be an issue 
even if it didn't happen yet, but we can kind of see down the road, right? I know that we've all had those stories where we kind of were like, yeah, I kind of had a feeling that wasn't very good. You know what I mean? Like we're, we have to give ourselves a little bit of credit for our awareness that even if we don't want to listen to it, it doesn't mean that it's absolutely not there. We have to listen to that part of ourselves though, you know? And when we do listen to that part of ourselves, we will then want to work to remove ourselves from the unsafe environment. Walking outside in the middle of the night, I mean, maybe depending on where you are, it's fine, you know, but for many of us walking outside in the middle of the night, especially by ourselves, probably not a good move, you know, staying around people who are under the influence of substances that alter self-control and judgment might not be the safest bet. Walking or hanging out in narrow alleyways or by questionable buildings or locations, it's probably not a great idea. You know, where you are, you might be able to add to this list, you know, endlessly. I know I could totally add more. That's the whole idea is that we build that awareness for what is probably a good situation to be in and what isn't. And if we're able to clearly see, especially that there might be any compromising outcomes then it's best to know how to remove yourself from the situation. And again, this is not so that you live in fear and that you're always anticipating the worst. It's simply, like I said, having that toolbox that you can reach into if ever you need it. And sometimes that acknowledgement of a situation that's not safe is going to be more obvious and, and distinct than others. Because sometimes we're too far deep in a situation that we can't easily remove ourselves from it by just stepping away. We might find ourselves even surprised because the unsafe situation is happening in broad daylight or during a time of day where normally you would not suspect something to go wrong or between people that you know. That's really heartbreaking when people that we know put our put us in maybe unsafe situations, you know, that we would never even expect to have an issue with. And the big question is, well, what do we do? Well, we have to turn to other means of protection. Ways that we can protect our physical selves can be by learning self-defense. A lot of community, um, I guess, what do you call it? Like community buildings or programs, it depends on maybe where you are in the country or in, in the world, have a lot of times self-defense classes. You could also take up martial arts. There are many different kinds of martial arts. I personally, um, if I were to take any kind of martial arts class, it would be Krav Maga. I feel that I I just feel that it's so much more relatable than some of the other martial arts that might be out there. Not saying that they are not relatable. I think all of them are totally useful. Krav Maga focuses in on a lot of real world experiences that you might come across in terms of how people might come after you or come at you. It's just different. But then again, I'm not a martial arts, you know, expert by any stretch. So I might be missing the mark on something. Either way though, Having some level of self-defense is really important. Knowing basics is really useful. And you can probably ask your local communities if there are any classes that you could take. Um, also, in conjunction with that, being in good shape is really important for protecting your physical self. I understand that even in martial arts, we'll talk a lot about technique, that technique is actually really the most important thing. Like you can be very small, right? And be able to technically speaking, take down someone who's twice your size. And yes, I do believe that technique is very important. I also though believe that being a physically fit human being 
provides so many benefits in all aspects of life, especially when it comes to protection. Not even just for yourself, but even for other people that may be around you, like your children or loved ones, um, people that are weaker than you. It's really good to have that strength and that stamina to be able to protect yourself physically if need be. And I find that when I'm physically fit, I'm strong. I'm also confident in my ability to protect myself because I know how my body moves. I know where I can flex. I know how far I can push myself. And that's really important to consider. I'm not saying that all of us need to be hitting the boxing gym by any stretch. I understand that there are many feminine approaches to physical fitness and everything like that. At the end of the day, continue to do that though. Know your body. Become comfortable in your own skin. Because when you're comfortable in your own skin, you have a much better shot at protecting yourself from physical harm. You also recover a lot better. Another way that we can protect our physical well-being is through object force. Protection in the form of objects. Whatever they may be. You know what your options are. Some are more, I would say, more intense than others. You know, there's many different ways that we can protect ourselves via objects. And it also depends on what's allowed. Some countries, some states, you know, they don't allow certain types of objects for forms of defense. But you you figure out what you can use and then use that. Because the goal of using object force and even the goal for protecting your physical safety is to create distance between yourself and the unsafe person or event that's taking place. That's the whole goal in a nutshell. So I think you get the gist. You do what you can to remove yourself from the unsafe environment, which begins with awareness. Without it, we would be completely lost and completely ignorantly and irresponsibly vulnerable. And that not only puts ourselves at risk, that could put other people at risk too, which is not good. Speaking of awareness, let's talk about another form of well-being that could use our protection, our emotional and mental well-being. Now, this takes the outside version of our protection, so to speak, okay, from the physical self, even though it can be reflected in the physical self. And we are now going to take that and go inside. We're going to dig deeper into the landscape of our minds and our hearts. It's very sensitive, very essential for the healthy feminine to exist with a good relationship between the mind and heart. This is the place where we experience our creativity, our joy our light. This is where the radiance and vibrancy of our lives resides, which means that we definitely need to protect it. Because again, not everyone or everything has our best interests at heart and may even work to dim that light within us. And as long as you're listening to this podcast episode, and as long as we're talking about it, I refuse to let us succumb to that. So with emotional and mental well-being, It's really all about what and who we choose to receive as individuals, as women. What I mean by receive is along the lines of, is along the lines of absorption, observation, and withholding information. How we treat people, how people treat us, how we allow ourselves to be treated, what we accept, what we reject, what we expose our minds and hearts to, this is all reception. And our response is the other half of it. Being aware of who we spend our time with 
and the kind of content we consume plays a massive role in our emotional and mental well-being. How we interact and engage with others also places a huge influence on this realm of health. The ways that we can protect our emotional and well-being really begin at our value systems. Our values are going to tell us what is it that we want out of our lives. How do we want our lives to look? How do we want them to feel? From relationships to work to um, hobbies to the way that we dress, the way that we, you know, accept prayer or, you know, what's good for our soul, what's damaging to it. What are we willing to, you know, embrace in our lives? What aren't we? Usually we have a set of beliefs in our minds that is even more strict than what we hold ourselves accountable to outside of our minds for the sake of avoiding stress or discomfort, confrontation, tension. We might go through an entire diatribe in our heads about how we want a certain dynamic yet deliver an entirely different plan, which can be considerably more unsafe and even deteriorating. And we have to remember something. Our emotions are very fleeting. This is a massive part of our well-being. And funny enough, it's also very much a fleeting part of our processing. Our emotions are not permanent. They can change. They can flip-flop. They can evolve. And if we are making decisions in order to completely, utterly avoid discomfort that could, though in turn, protect our emotional and mental health, that puts us in unsafe positions. So if we can just sit through that discomfort a little bit and choose our values over that one uncomfortable moment, that can really be all the difference between helping or hurting the emotional and mental health within us. Very important to think about that. We need to become the keepers of our minds and our hearts. While it is lovely to have a partner or to have friends that want to also be the keepers of your emotional and mental well-being, we must first and foremost be our own keeper and hold ourselves to the standards that we find to keep us the safest. We all have a range for what we consider to be safe and it's not always gonna be shared amongst everyone. Not everyone has the same perception of safety as the next person. So it's really important that we are our own advocates for our own well-being, so that we have that internal protection to help ourselves. While it's lovely to think that there are these other people that can provide us protection, we can't solely rely on that. It is part of our feminine to lean on others and to look up to others. However, if we do that completely 100% and not hold space for our own internal protection for our own existence, then we really are no better than the same person who walks down a dangerous alleyway in the middle of the night with flashing lights pretty much saying that I'm defenseless and ignorantly vulnerable. And even think about with children. You know, children are looking up to, to us to lead them. So it's really important that we have a level of internal protection so that we also know how to protect others. 
And that's, that's something that we would best be investing our time into learning how to do for our emotional and mental well-being. So in turn, it also protects the other parts of our well-being. The other element besides relational, like I was just talking about, it's also very important to consider the content that we consume. From the music that we listen to, to the videos that we watch, or the media we engage with, all of this can have monumental influence on our emotional and mental health. If we aren't careful and intentional about what we consume, then it can become incredibly easy to get sucked into the matrix that everyone talks about so much, so to speak. And we can end up losing sight of ourselves. And it's not even just what we consume, it's how much we consume and for how long we consume it. All of these different parts play together to influence our emotional and mental health. And if we are not aware of that, then we could find ourselves in a bit of a pickle. Something that I think is very important to think about is that your mind is continuously looking to make connections. Our, our brains are wired to draw connection. That's why we thrive so much, especially within the femininity, that part of our, our energy duality. That's why we thrive so much when we make such wonderful connections with people. Because that's exactly what our brain does. We are consistently and continuously looking to build a bridge between us and whatever's on the other side. So whether it be a person, whether it be a thing, whether it be an environment, no matter what it is, we're always looking to build a bridge. And at times, if we are irresponsible with, especially in this case, the kind of content that we consume and how much we consume of it as well, we could be potentially straining our connection abilities where we start to, in a way, connect with unhealthy outcomes, unhealthy versions of ourselves, unhealthy people even, unhealthy expectations. One of my favorite, I would say one of my favorite examples of this is when it comes to personal development information. Because I think something that we also forget about is even good content, even content that's set forward to really help us grow as people, if we are not responsible for how much we consume of it and for how long we consume it, it could end up doing the opposite of what we're hoping that it's going to do. So my example is that I used to be in a place where I felt like I had to read everything, personal development oriented, that very modern personal development perspective um, that I've talked about uh, before on this podcast, where there's this heavy expectation that you have to learn the next tool, learn the next, you know, watch the next webinar, read the next book. It's in, in my podcast episode, What Happened to Average? That's where I talk about this a little bit. That modern personal development perspective is really unhealthy in this idea that you need to consistently be consuming information. And we already do that anyways. Um, but when I started to overconsume and allow myself in a way to then be consumed by the information where I felt like it was consuming me more than I was consuming it, I started to actually feel more inadequate 
with my life. I started to feel more disconnected from my relationships. It actually was creating unhealthy connections between myself and what I wasn't able to do and what I wasn't able to accomplish because I was simply putting too much in my head that it couldn't, it just couldn't form any more connections. It was super saturated and that, that what was left over that didn't connect ended up feeding into this idea that I wasn't good enough, that I was not awesome <laughs> for myself, you know, and I think it's okay to think of yourself as awesome. It helps us hopefully make good decisions if, if it's a good, healthy form of awesome that's very rooted in awareness and reality. I started to have very unrealistic and unhealthy perspectives, perspectives of myself. And so, yeah, even too much of a good thing can exist if, if it's consuming us more than even we're consuming it. So one of the ways that I like to help this is by placing time limits for certain media. This can be really good for supporting good mental health and emotional health habits because maybe you are watching really good stuff. Maybe it's really good media and it's not all bad, okay? But still, placing time limits so that you can be sure to be present in your life and in your reality is really good for mental health and emotional health. Also, on the other side, if let's say it isn't good media, do your best to stray away from sexual and violent content as much as possible. It's good for the soul to not engage with this because again, your brain is making connections. It's building bridges and those kinds of bridges are particularly unhealthy to build because they might inspire us to act in ways that are less than wholesome and quite frankly, damaging to our health and well-being. Our minds and hearts are like sponges. Even if we don't think we are absorbing information, we are constantly, subliminally, and consciously. So it's very important to be intentional about the kinds of content that you want to consume so that you build a healthy bridge between yourself, that content, and what your mind is going to do about it. On to our second to last form of well-being that we are going to be chatting about today is all about protecting our sexual and relational selves. Or sexual well-being, which I threw relational in there as well. This is all about relationships. This is about the one that we have with ourselves and with others, both intimately, like romantically, and platonically. How we treat our bodies in the realm of intimacy is very tricky at times because we might not even mean to be treating it the way that we're treating it. We might not even know that what we're doing is not actually helping us. However, I will say on the plus is that the protection side of it is actually quite simple. The reality of the world, like I've mentioned, is that there are people who are not the most well-intentioned out there for you in your best interest. And again, this is not to jade you from the world or anything. This is, again, providing you with that toolbox that you can reach into whenever you need or if ever you need or if ever you want. It's up to you. But there are people out there who really do work hard or sometimes not hard at all, which is even worse, to corrupt our bodies for the purpose of pleasure that hedonistic side of ourselves that, you know, peeks in, that wants pleasure over everything else, that will not care about the best interests of ourselves or other people, right? That hedonistic side of ourselves that we, hopefully, if we're taking care of our mental and emotional well-being and the other parts of our well-being, we are not acting on this hedonistic side of ourselves. And if anything, we are working very hard to subdue 
and repress and reframe that part of ourselves so that we live a more purposeful and fulfilling life. Because it's within the healthy feminine that we do have that healthy masculine step in to provide us that structure. And that structure, the healthy masculine, is not a hedon. We're not putting pleasure over everything else just to get that short burst of satisfaction, especially in that short term. That's what that pleasure-seeking part of ourselves is typically interested in. So from a sexual standpoint, that burst of pleasure can come in the form of engaging in hookup culture, being promiscuous, leading with sexuality to get something that is wanted. It can occur in the pictures that we decide to post, that we draw attention to. And I'm sure that, you know, we've all either maybe been there or know somebody or, you know, just watch the media in general. There's a lot of push for this concept of woman empowerment that if she sexualizes herself, it's going to make her feel better about herself. And the truth is that it's so damaging to her femininity, to her all categories of health it's not even just to her emotional and mental well-being but it's to everything to physical to sexual relational all of it you know it it's actually really damaging to all those pieces because again not everyone is out there for the right reasons and if we are putting ourselves in an unmodest category especially when it comes to our bodies then we are likely going to attract outcomes that are less than desirable we cannot put ourselves in an unmodest position and then expect a modest reciprocation. It's just, it's also just not fair to human reaction. That's just not how we are as people. It's not the other person's responsibility to treat you respectfully if you have not yet treated, treated, that's not the right word. <laughs> that's not even a word. If you have not treated yourself with respect. This also can exist in the content that's watched that's sexually explicit, which I think you can read in between the lines of what I mean by that, which has been known and there are plenty of studies out there that show that engaging in sexually explicit content ruins the relationship with self and with sexual relational well-being and with people in general because of very unrealistic expectations and sometimes even violent or brutal acts and expectations that are put forward on you and that other person. All of these types of actions can be and typically are very unsafe for the sexual well-being. It can attract people who could potentially physically harm in ways that can't be taken back and that's really hard. The stories I've heard, it just breaks my heart whenever I, I hear that something you know, especially physical has taken place due to, um, you know, somebody's perception of what they thought was an in and it really obviously wasn't. And it's very heartbreaking and it, it's a very sensitive topic that I'm not going to really get into, but nonetheless, being um, dangerous with our sexual well-being can attract people who could potentially physically harm us in ways that can't be taken back. It can place unhealthy and unsafe expectations for the way that our relationships will begin and carry on, which also could lead to many misunderstandings, too, along the way. It's like that saying goes, why buy the cow when you can get the milk for free? We send messages to people through the way that we protect or not protect 
the different categories of our well-being. And when it comes to sexual well-being, if we are not careful, we could be putting our innocence on the line. We could even go as far as to completely damage our ability to have healthy and productive sexual relationships with ourselves and with others if we aren't careful. And if we are so focused on immediate pleasure at all costs over thoughtful and intentional activities. There's nothing wrong with intimacy. There really isn't, so long as it's there to enhance your connection to the self and to, hopefully, your partner. Not to dilute it in overstimulation, unrealistic expectations, or heaven forbid abuse. And I know that there are many other opinions that can be laced into sexual intimacy and, you know, sexual health and well-being and everything like that. That's not what I'm going into. <laughs> this is a non-critical zone, honestly. This is really just about drawing healthy judgments on how our actions can have consequences. And if we aren't safe with them, it could put us in really unfortunate positions. So ways that we can protect our, our sexual intimacy would be in no particular order. I mean, first and foremost, you know, not engaging in it to some degree with those who have not earned it, I guess is the best way to put it. Okay, not, not giving the fruitfulness away to, you know, somebody who has not even shown that they can respect it, or that you're even on the same page, or that you're even in the same book. <laughs> okay, not just giving it away. That's one way that we protect our sexual intimacy. We reduce the amount of non-committed partners that we have. It's very important. That's and, and that's where I'm going to leave it, okay? I don't want to offend anyone. Obviously, I know that there is a lot of biblical interpretation and understanding of, you know, what we're supposed to do with our bodies in this manner. I understand, though, that there are a plethora of different women that listen to the podcast and we may all come from different walks of life and this is you know really not meant to be a moral slap on the wrist you know and everything like that this is about you having knowledge on how important it is to protect yourself and then doing what you can to do just that so the ways that we protect our our sexual intimacy besides restricting our you know action of sexual intimacy to some regards to those who have not earned it we can also dress more modestly not showcasing our bodies to the internet in a way that is very provocative and sexualized uh, reserving a little modesty in life honestly allows for us and others to see that inward side of ourselves and allows for you know, people to pay more attention to what we always claim we want people to pay more attention to most of all. If we sexualize ourselves, though, then the people on the other side, they're going to look more at your body than at you as a person. And it's one thing to acknowledge our biological, you know, needs to be attracted to people. It's This isn't about ignoring our biological tendency to decide if someone is attractive or not for both men and women. This is about protecting ourselves. And the more efforts that we take to do that, the better off we tend to be, statistically speaking. It's not foolproof. We do our best, though. And by reserving ourselves, modestly speaking, from a physical standpoint, by not putting pictures up on the internet that are revealing of 
pretty much almost all parts of our body where we can pretty much outline your parts, it's going to help truthfully with the overwhelming outcomes that will happen afterwards because people will hopefully see you over just your body. Okay, and I know that there are women out there that will say, I post this for me, it's not for anyone else. Okay, well then if it's for you, then keep it to yourself. Why does everyone else have to see it? It's usually because we are proud of ourselves, we are proud of our sexuality, and we want other people to sort of see that proudness. However, that proudness could be deteriorating our own sexual health and well-being, which in turn can deteriorate the other forms of well-being that we are talking about in this episode. Another thing that we're able to do is keep away from substances in the presence of people that we don't know. It's, you know, not good necessarily to be around people that aren't fully in control of themselves, especially in the presence of substances. And it's also not good for us to be in a position where we are putting ourselves in danger by not being fully aware and in control of ourselves. That's why I, I could not get on with, truthfully, the drug bandwagon. It's it's no criticism necessarily to other people. I mean, I, I guess everyone has their own and reserves their own opinions on a matter. I knew for myself, I was so afraid of not being in control of myself and my body um, due to substance use you know, I didn't want to put myself in that position to be unsafe because there are people out there that will take advantage of that. So keeping away from substances, I feel, especially from, you know, when you're in the presence of people that you don't know, it's very helpful because it reduces your chances of being potentially in a physically unsafe environment. And then even if you were in a potentially physically unsafe environment, you'll have the control and the body control to be able to get yourself hopefully out of it and protect yourself. Staying away from online forms of sexual entertainment is also very important. Whether it be music, videos, you know, whatever the case may be, books even to some extent, really framing your mind to see sexual intimacy as a sacred thing and see sexual well-being as a very sacred part of your life is very important in protecting yourself from that being eroded due to outside influences. And from a relational standpoint, that isn't only sexual, but platonic instead, it's key to think about how relationships function in your life and what you consider to be a safe and healthy bridge, as I like to think of it as. Kind of like I was talking about bridges between your mind and whatever's out there. You're always building these bridges. We also build a bridge within our physical, tangible connections. And it starts with us and it ends with that person on the other side. And when we're building that bridge, we are using materials to build it, right? And the quality of the connection will equal the quality of the material. And when we aren't careful about the types of bridges that we are spending our time building with others, we could be potentially creating an unsafe path. Literally, I'm thinking about that like unstable bridge where you have boards that are practically falling off and the rope is pretty much thread. You know what I mean? Like spending time on building and maintaining those bridges, the longer that we are on that bridge, the probability of falling off or through are exponentially higher than if we were just careful in particular with whom we spend our time with. For both intimate reasons and platonic reasons, our bridges, you know, are so important. And we have to be very mindful of the kinds of bridges that we build. 
this type of protection can exist in something as small as not engaging with unsafe people, people that don't have our best interests in mind or in our future, not engaging through social media, through text, other communication formats, etc., all the way up to being forthcoming about not desiring a relationship with that individual and not holding back from saying so. It's so important when it comes to sexual and relational well-being that we are very, in a way, ruthless with our connections. Even as a feminine woman, we need to hold ourselves to that standard of protection that our our lives, our energy is not a revolving door where people can just kind of like come in and out as they please, that people can just do whatever they want to us. And because we are so soft and so light, we're not going to do anything back or we're not going to say anything. That's not a healthy feminine woman. A healthy feminine woman knows her boundaries, knows her values, knows the kinds of relationships that she wants, and knows the kind of bridges that she's going to build and will not sacrifice that at all because that same woman has influence over the people in her life, especially like her children, her family. It's very important that we look at our well-being as this conglomerate, as this as this all-encompassing part of ourselves that influences not only our own safety, but the safety of others and of the community. And it influences and inspires those around us. You must know your boundaries with what it is that you look for in your relationships, your friendships. If you don't know, then it will become so much easier to make these moves in your life that can lead to unsafe relational well-being, sexual well-being um, outcomes. If we especially don't want our partner to do it, then it's probably best to hold ourselves to the same standards. There are a lot of women, especially when it comes to social media, where their partners will engage in a certain way with, let's say, other women. Um, but they themselves are engaging in a way with men that if in the same capacity the man were to do it, she would have an issue. And it's it's really not good and it's damaging so many relationships. The reality is that if we wouldn't be okay with our partners doing it, then we probably should hold ourselves to the same standards. That's why when it comes to social media and, you know, all that even personally when it comes to my fiance and I, I am ruthless when it comes to now making sure, because I didn't at first truly understand it. And then when I realized the importance of this kind of safety that not everyone's gonna protect you, you have to protect you too. And even with my partner being there to protect me, he might not always be there in every conversation and every interaction and everything. So I have that personal responsibility. And when that settled in for me, from that point forward, I made sure that when it came to what I was doing, you know, relationally, even platonically, with others, that's what I'm referring to. <laughs> the only, the only uh, non-platonic and romantic relationship I have is with my fiance. Um, but when I was, you know, thinking about what I was just saying, you know, it changed the way that I interact with people, with men on social media that might approach me or with, you know, people in person. And that is my relationship is first and foremost. And I refuse to put myself in a position that if my partner were to do it, and I was not okay with it, then it shouldn't be okay that I'm doing it. You know what I mean? So when we hold ourselves to those standards, it really helps to protect our sexual and relational well-being because we have such a clear view on what is it that we want at the end of the day and truthfully in the long term of our lives. And last, 
I know, this has been quite the episode. And last, but certainly not least, when it comes to the pillars of safety for our well-being, it's our spiritual well-being. I find that this one goes under the radar quite a bit, actually. I find that societies that push the eradication um, of religion are... Or the eradication? Eradication. Wow. I'm really bad with my vocabulary today. That push the removal of religion are the most troubled in all aspects of well-being. This being at the forefront because it simply doesn't exist or it is horrendously damaged. What does an unsafe spiritual well-being look like, you might be wondering? Living life as a hedon, as a nihilist, as someone who, in other words, lives for pleasure, not purpose, only believes in the flesh of existence but not the moral of it, this type of unsafe foundation of self will leave many people wasteful and selfish, foregoing what is biblically sacred that helps aid in the support of all of our well-beings. When we are engaging in any of the unsafe measures I mentioned above, we are damaging our spiritual well-being in return. In conjunction with that too, when we aren't moral or ethical in our handlings of ourselves and others, we are damaging our spiritual well-being. And when that becomes damaged, we are more susceptible to continuous trauma and poor outcomes. We are continuously putting ourselves in unsafe predicaments. Ways that we protect our spiritual well-being can come in the form of regularly surrounding ourselves with reminders of faith, keeping faith at the heart of what we do. Through studying and prayer, we begin to understand more and more what fuels our purpose and sense of self and can even go as far as to begin to heal the broken parts of our spiritual well-being and of the other parts of our well-being that might have been compromised. We are able to create times to study and pray when we are taking note of our spiritual well-being. We make it a priority. It's also helpful to, again, mind our media. Being careful of what we consume can play a huge role in our spiritual wellness. I think nowadays there are so many um, posts out there that I'm actually noticing, which is great. This is great stuff where people are starting to realize that a lot of the music and a lot of the videos that are being pushed are encouraging evil, like encouraging, embracing, loving evil, loving doing evil things, loving doing unethical and immoral acts. And celebrating it, which in turn subliminally encourages it to people and gives them the excuse to then do it because it's socially acceptable. Which is obviously bonkers. <laughs> That's bonkers. At the core of all of these forms of well-being, what creates the foundation of safety is found within our values and boundaries. We cannot take care of ourselves and others without having innocence and awareness. Innocence is not ignorance. Naivety is ignorance. And the unhealthy feminine woman is naive and recklessly optimistic about the world and the people in it. While there are plenty of phenomenal men and women out there who do in fact care about our well-being, there are many that don't. And to see the world through rose-tinted glasses will only leave us irresponsibly vulnerable. As important as it is, 
to surround ourselves with healthy situations and people, we have the utmost personal responsibility to take care of our well-being. No one else has that responsibility. This is not an anti-relational statement, by the way. While we may even be sharing a life with another person, we still must always consider our own identity amongst the connections that we have as to not lose sight of our own boundaries and needs. Like I said, not everyone's version of safety is going to be exactly the same as yours. So we have a personal responsibility over our internal protection to uphold it and to carry it through. Safety is a tricky topic because it forces us to accept that we are not invincible, that we are not indestructible, a reality that sounds harsh to the mind. And in fact, the unhealthy feminine woman thinks that she is to a large extent. I feel like that's why there's also even such a switch in, in movies right now where a lot of women, and I'm not even talking about traditional women, I'm talking modern women, are rejecting the strong female characters in movies and books because the unhealthy feminine woman doesn't look at herself and think that in any way, shape, or form, she is susceptible to being damaged or getting even hurt or, you know, being in an ignorantly vulnerable position. The strong woman is perfect. She is unstoppable. And, and that is a reality that in some ways is really hard for us to take in because we do like to think of ourselves as so incredibly capable. And that's the thing is that it's cool to think that we're capable. We need to be humbled though by the fact that we are not all-knowing. We are only human in giving us the grace to learn how to protect ourselves properly and to see ourselves as interwoven with the world for better or for worse. It, it's so much healthier for us and it's so much better for our femininity. It's better, like I said, to have the tools and not need them than to need them and not have them. Because an indestructible person doesn't even bother with tools or toolboxes or anything. An indestructible person is cocky about their actions and about what they do. A humbled, healthy, feminine woman, though, is aware that for her to really thrive, she needs to have structure and protection and security so that all the other parts of her can exist beautifully and almost like magically. So I hope that, I know this was a rough episode, but I hope that, if anything, this knowledge that was given to you in this lengthy episode was somewhat useful. Even, even if it's just one tip <laughs> that helped you today that you can apply, I would feel delighted. Heck, even I need these reminders. We're human, like I said. We need that grace. We need the grace also to mess up and learn from it. And that's a trick. We need to learn from it. Anyways, I hope that you enjoyed the episode. If you feel that this episode would resonate with someone in your life, feel free to share. This is a big, this was a big episode. So I know that it's a, this was like also I think the longest episode that I've ever done. So I appreciate you if you've gotten this far. Please don't forget to leave a review, share your thoughts, let me know what you think. Is there anything else that I'm missing? Is there anything else that we should be talking about that maybe we're not really talking about? Let me know. And I hope that all of you have a great day. Bye.